Congregation, the chapter in the Bible that is the foundation of Lord's Day 23 is Romans 4, especially verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Let's read Lord's Day 23. Page 51 in some editions. Question 59. But what does it profit thee now? But thou believest all this. Answer. That I am righteous in Christ. Before God. And an heir of eternal life. 60. How art thou righteous before God? Answer, only by your true faith in Jesus Christ, so that, though my conscience accuse me, that I have grossly transgressed all the commandments of God and kept none of them, and am still inclined to all evil, notwithstanding God without any merit of mine, but only the mere grace grants and imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. Even so, as if I never had had nor committed any sin, yea, as if I had fully accomplished all that obedience is Christ has accomplished for me, inasmuch as I embrace such benefit with a believing heart. And 61. Why sayest thou that thou art righteous by faith only? Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith but because only the satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God, and that I can receive and apply the same to myself any other way than by faith only. So far. The theme for tonight, true believing. True believing. Three thoughts. Believing is crucial. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is the center, is the heart of it. Crucial. Believing is crucial. Secondly, believing goes deep. Goes deep to the heart. It's, it's, it's dramatic. It's a power worked by God. And in the third place, believing imputes. Imputes righteousness. It imputes. It gives. It is. It is. It is accounted righteousness through believing. Believing is crucial. Believing goes deep, and believing imputes. Congregation, we are busy with the twelve articles of faith. We have preached on them. Believing God, the Almighty One, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
If you cover the birth of the Lord Jesus and his suffering and his death and his burial and resurrection, ascension and sitting at the right hand of the Father. And now the question is, when you look back, what is the sense of it? What is the purpose of it? And what does profit thee now that thou believest all this? All those things, all those details of Christ and the Father and the Church and forgiveness and eternal life. What's the sense? What's the goal? What's the purpose? What does it profit thee now? Good question. What do we gain? And the answer is that I'm righteous in Christ before God. By nature, we are not righteous before God. God keeps us at that bay. There's a distance because our sins have separated us from the Lord. There's a dark hole in between, a ravine, a, a, a gulf, a uh, distance. But if you may believe, truly believe, in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'm a righteous in Christ before God and an heir of eternal life. That's quite something, right? Now, maybe you have a question. You say, all this? You need to know all those things before you can be right before God. You need to, in a, to, to, to believe in it. But a complex thing. You have to really study the Bible then and study the Hebrew Catechism in order to know what all this means. Is faith not more simple than that? Is faith not a childlike faith? Not so complicated? Well, what is a childlike faith? What do you think? Children? What is a childlike faith? Something simplistic? Something you don't have to think about, just you accept it, just you do it, just you just, you just don't think too much, you don't make it too difficult. It's really not just pulling a blanket over your head. Let's think about it. The Lord Jesus, one time, rebuked his disciples. He said, man, what are you doing? You're fighting. And one day he was the most important pastor. And the Lord Jesus was disappointed with that. He approached his disciples, his twelve, and he said, he asked the little child to come. But a little child before him. And the Lord Jesus said to the, to the, to the big man, you have to get on your knees now to get a low place next to the same young people, children. You have to get low, not so high, so tall, but you have to go low on your knees. Let me quote it literally from Matthew 18. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. See him, the child, in the midst all those big men. And he said, Very, very, I say unto you, except ye be, be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, should you have to be like a child? 
in order to be in the kingdom? Yes. But let us continue. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. To be a child is law. Be humble. Surround the marks of two faces to, to be humble, to be small, like a child, something who does not count. Believe it is not childish, not dumb, not naive, not simplistic. It is profound. There's dark involved. Biblical doctrine straight from the Bible. If you really believe all those things, then we are safe, we are well off, we gain. We all stand before God, right? Also right now, we stand before God, but are we standing before God righteous? But I am righteous in Christ before God as an heir of eternal life. Faith is crucial. Without faith, we cannot be saved. And that's from Romans 4. Romans 4 is one of the most important parts of the Bible. It is about what? Do you remember? I read Romans 4 over, uh, Romans 4 over this afternoon again. I thought, what is the core of that chapter? Who is it about? Who is it about? Do you know? Look at your Bible. Romans 4. Who is it about? It's about... Abraham, right. His name is mentioned, I think, six times in this chapter. What happened to Abraham? Abraham was concerned that he didn't have children. The Lord had promised children, and he didn't get them. He was old now, and disappointed, and puzzled. And the Lord said to him, So shall thy seed be, point to the stars. It says, and he believed God, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. It's so crucial. He believed it. He believed the promise of the Lord, and the Lord accounted that for righteousness. And that, that is this whole chapter is about. But the righteousness of God, righteousness of God not by works, but by faith, by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in the gospel preaching. Not by works, but by grace. If you know the example about faith, suppose there's a deep ravine, a deep canyon like Hell's Gate. I don't like the name. I don't know another name. Is there another name for that? It's a deep canyon, a mighty river, raging river down, 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 downstream. Okay, you get across. There is no bridge. But what if there is a bridge built there? Let me say a suspense bridge over a gorge. A suspense bridge. So there is a possibility to cross the ravine. Is it enough to have a bridge there? No. Because it can be bridged and nobody crosses the, the river. So you need to get on that bridge, not halfway not always at the end, but completely cross it, the, the, the bridge. Maybe, maybe you don't there. But true faith is getting on the bridge and walking to the other side in obedience 
and in appreciation and there's a hunger and a thirst to meet God on the other side. So believe in this. The blessing. Believing is an activity of the soul. Trusting the Lord. The Lord says, so shall thy seed be? Then to say, yes, Lord, I believe it. And Lord, being pleased with that. Where the faith is impossible to please the Lord. When the Lord is pleased, there is that faith. That faith only. The faith makes all the difference. It's an activity of the soul, I said. An activity of the hand. The soul is at work. The soul is doing something. The soul is touching the hem of the garment. The soul is seeking salvation in another. For example, in Galatians 3, verse 6, you read that? Even as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness, accounted or imputed or reckoned for righteousness. For Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So believing is a seeking, a trusting of the Lord Jesus Christ to seek salvation only in him. By the, by the faith. Why did the Lord choose faith as so crucial? Three reasons. Why it is not works or emotion or something else, or doctrine. It is by faith only that we can be saved, for three reasons. In the first place, so God is glorified. By believing Him, by trusting Him, to God's glory, so the Lord wants that faith, He wants to be glorified, He wants to be trusted for His honor. And secondly, by faith means that it's, that it's by grace. Because faith is the opposite of working. Him that worketh not, but believeth. Believing is the opposite of working. Believing is let the Lord do it. And yet, the faith is a faith that is active. And seeks salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ by grace only. By grace only. Not by works. And in the third place, it is by faith that gives us so certainty. Gives certainty that this for for free, that you don't have to pay for it, that this a gift of God. So by, by faith, it glorifies God, it is by grace, and it is certain. But you are driving a car, and you need to gas up. You go to a gas station. You know down the gas station is a huge tank filled with gas. How do you get the gas into the tank of your, of your car? You have, the, you have the pump and the nozzle, and you put the nozzle in the hole, and you, you, you press it, and then the gas from the tank is pumped into the car. Why do I use that example? There is such a reservoir of grace in God. 
so much praising God. But the thing is, you need to get it into the in your own soul, right? Now we need to, we need a nozzle somehow. We need a, 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 a means to bring that gas into the tank of the car. And so faith is the means of God to bring that grace into the heart of the sinner. It's faith. The faith is so crucial. Faith is the means the Lord has chosen to bring that salvation in the heart of the sinner. However, we should not exaggerate it. And although believing is uh, an action, is a work, is an activity of the soul, it is not so that there is a new law. Some people say, okay, we cannot be saved by the law anymore. By obedience, that is cut off, that is a dead end road. But now we can be saved by faith, right? Faith is, takes the place of good works, some say. No good works, we have faith. We call that neonomism, the new law, also dangerous. It's dangerous to teach people they can be saved by the law, by obedience. It's also dangerous to teach people that they can be saved by, by, by believing and pleasing God by the faith. Look at the last question here. Why sayest thou that thou art righteous by faith only? Question 61. Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith. No. There is no worthiness in faith. The solely earn points and gain points with believing. It is the means, right? But it's not the cause. Believing an activity of the soul. Have you discovered it? Have you come to your wit's end and seen that you cannot cross that bridge? You cannot cross that ravine that you need that salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need that faith in him that is so crucial, that is so the heart of the gospel. Brings to the second thought. Believing goes deep. It's crucial. We need to truly believe it. But what is it? Is believing convincing yourself you're safe already? Is believing something like jumping from the plane with the parachute and trusting it will open? Is believing just assuming? Is believing childish, simplistic? It is crucial to know how the Lord defines faith. We can agree on that and say, by faith only. But if someone says, See, I, by faith only, and someone else says, yes, by faith only, do they mean the same thing? That's the question, right? So we need to find from the Bible what, what, what it means to believe, what, mean, what, what faith means. So how deep that goes. So that you not only preach a poor sinner and a rich Christ, also how they meet, how they 
come into contact, how the faith works, how the faith feels, not to make any one discouraged, not to make it too complicated, but just simple. Simple. What does the Bible say about believing? What is it? Not all believing is true believing. This believing is not saving. Right? You know that from the Bible? James 2. Thou believest there is one God. Thou doest thou. The devils also believe and are in trouble. So even the devils believe, right? If the devils believe, then, then, then it is obvious that our believing is not saving the, 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 the devils. Can we say that? Yeah, believe. They believe in God. Oh, yes. They believe in one God. They believe in election. They believe in the whole Bible. They believe in everything in the Bible. But they don't appreciate it. They don't love it. They don't eat the bread. They try to discourage people to obey the, the, the word of God. But they believe it. So it is proof that someone, a person also, can kind of agree with the whole Bible from cover to cover and, says, and say, I believe it all. I believe, in, I believe in creation and in election and in the... The gospel and the death of Jesus and the crucifixion, the resurrection, I believe in all things. That does not mean that you're saved. That could be what we call an historical faith. Or think of Acts 26. The Apostle Paul talking to King Herod Agrippa. Do you remember that story? Agrippa was also raised by, by Christians. He knew the Bible. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Paul asked. Believest thou the prophets? The prophets, Agrippa? I know that thou believest. I know you do. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He wasn't. He said, Almost I was persuaded. But he was not completely sure at all. So he believed the prophets, he believed the message, and was not saved. Or think of Matthew 15, Matthew, Matthew 13. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word. And anon, immediately, with joy, receiveth it. Yet has he not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. So someone can even come so far that he appreciates the Bible. 
that he appreciates the word of God and accepts it with joy. Yet has he no root in himself, not a changed heart, this, 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 this emotion. We call it a temporary faith. Because we need to believe, and believing goes together with other things. As you have seen, believing goes together with humility. Absolute humility that you cannot work at yourself anymore. Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. So if the, if the love is absent, if it is only all in your head, and maybe some appreciation of the gospel, but no real link we're gone, then we are also for our own account yet, and not saved yet. Some faith is not more than believing facts, historical faith, or believing miracles. Some faith believe some faith believe that God can do miracles. Well, God can. But is it all? Thousands of Jews saw the miracles of Jesus. They were amazed. They ate the bread and the fish he multiplied and they believed it were they saved if someone is really helped by the Lord in a very difficult situation very stressing situation and the person prays the Lord to be helped to get out of this dangerous situation and the Lord really answers does it mean you're saved is it possible to be held by the Lord and that the Lord hears your prayer and you're not saved yet? Yes. The Lord helps people in general upon prayer without per se saving them. As you see in the, in the, in the Bible, where so many that are held by the Lord and that live again and don't give him honor and glory. In many parables, the Lord Jesus warns us. Almost all parables are about getting close, getting close to salvation, but you're just missing the point. You don't have the bridal garment. Or you are missing the deep work of the Spirit in your heart. It is shallow. Or the house is built upon the sand and not on the rock. You go over all the parables of these. He loves people so much that he warns them. That he says, don't make a mistake. Don't take it lightly. Just don't, just don't, just don't accept it. It's such an uncritical way. You need also a new heart. It should not be counterfeit. 
So therefore, Zechariah the writer of the Hebrew Catechism, helped us a little bit and says, you know how it feels when you say, here it is, your conscience accuses me that I have grossly transgressed all the commandments of God and kept none of them and am still inclined to all evil. So in the first place, my sins are gross sins, not just minor, but gross. Are your sins still minor? Or do you have, have you seen that your sins are gross? Grossly transgressed all the commandments of God, not only some, it is not a minor infraction, not, uh, not only of a few things, but all the commandments of God. I have transgressed all the commandments in a gross way. And on top of that, I am still inclined on to all evil. It's, it's, it's in me. I feel it's in my heart. I, I have a sin. I don't do sin. I am sin. See? It goes deep, doesn't it? Read also in the Bible, in Psalm 51 and other places. That it is good to have that understanding of hopelessness. The understanding of impossibility from your side. That you have no chance to save yourself out of this mighty clay. So grossly transgressed, all the commandments still inclined, and notwithstanding, although it is very serious, gross transgression, and all the commandments, and all evil, notwithstanding, God, without any merit of mine, without any merit of mine, only of me grace, grants and imputes to me. He gives to me. He, 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 he puts it on my account. Perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. So that is the wonder that Christ imputes his righteousness unto them. And that his obedience his holiness, his perfect satisfaction, his righteousness are becoming mine by faith only, by mere grace, so that it is not with any merit of mine, only of me grace, and he grants it freely and imputes it to me. Zechariah is in his side. See that this is an example of how deep it goes. It goes deep in your heart, and the Lord convinces you of sin. The Lord makes you feel that you are unworthy of life, and you should cast into hell. You say, Lord, I don't like that, but yes, I deserve it. 
I deserve to be left alone. I deserve to be cast away. I deserve to be burning. And you don't have any comments on that. You only cry out, Lord, be, be merciful and to be a sinner. Don't let it happen. I deserve it, but don't do it. And in that way, sinners begin to believe. They begin to cross that bridge. They begin to seek salvation in another. And that is, as I said before, that is um, an activity of the soul. Let me show that. From the Cairns of Dort, chapter 3, 4, article 12. All in whose heart God works in this marvelous manner are certainly infallibly and factually regenerated and do actually believe. I repeat that. All in whose heart God works in this marvelous manner are certainly infallibly and factually regenerated and do actually believe so they believe themselves by God's grace. Thereupon the will, thus renewed, is not only actuated and influenced by God, but in consequence of this influence becomes itself active. So because the effect of the Holy Spirit, the faith becomes active. Therefore, also man is himself rightly said to believe and repent by virtue of that grace received. So believing is not that you get something in your hands. No, it says, open your hands, I just I put it in your hand. Now have you, I give you faith, you now you, you have something. Believing is not having something in your hands. Believing is a moving. A move of the soul towards Christ and to taste him, to receive him, to eat him, to appreciate him, to marvel at him, to admire him. See, believing is a gift of God. And nobody believes without that marvelous work of regeneration. But yet the Lord does not believe for you. No, he makes you believe as an act of the soul. Oh, what a delicious taste when you drink of that living water. It brings you back to God. So you need more than just faith in order to be saved. Depends what you mean. We need a saving faith, right? Only by the true faith in Jesus Christ. Saving faith, not the version of faith helps. Only a true faith helps. It's the gift of God. And sinners emotionally move the direction and seek salvation 
only in him. Brings you third thought. Congregation, did you know that John in his gospel never speaks about faith? And never speaks about a belief? Never uses the noun for believing? He only uses almost 100 times the word believing, a verb, the activity of the soul that might be the reason why he's doing that. It's not about a thing, it's about something you receive in your hands, it's about a soul activity, believing. And what is the benefit of that? What is the joy in that? Even so, as if, as if, that's important, as if I never had had nor committed any sin, yea, as if I had fully accomplished all that obedience is Christ has accomplished for me. As if. It is in Romans 4 all about imputation. Imputation. To, uh, to count it to someone else's account. To transfer it to someone else's account. I don't know the details anymore. But years ago there was someone on the Sea to Sky Highway I had a flat tire. I was a very wealthy person. Very expensive car. And there was a simple mechanic who just stopped his car in front of him and helped him. Just with changing the tires. And what happened is that man of the, that the, the, the rich man was so impressed, he was able to find out the bank where this man was going, and he paid off his mortgage. And he found out that his mortgage was paid off. He um, did not deserve that, but was just taken care of. And so the Lord Jesus pays the price. And that righteousness, that obedience is imputed to them. It is now on their account. So this paid off. I think that imputation is used in chapter 4, I think eight times or so. Logizuma. Logizuma. He pays the price. He makes it all good. He restores the relationship. He makes reconciliation. He brings unity. In many churches, in many doctrines, it is all about psychology. Right? So it's about you have abused others and others have abused you and you have, and you, should, you should apologize for, to, to this person and to that person and you have wounds and scars of the, of the past and you have to deal with them all now, of course, we should deal with them. But, you know, if you ever, if a, a psychologist ever asks you to uh, make a list of things you have done wrong, don't only think of the things you do wrong to people. 
also theology, how, how they have wronged the Lord, how they have offended him, and keep offending him. And then it is possible to be reconciled to God. It is nice to, to, to be reconciled to people. But to God is the main thing. Over the years, I've asked a number of people, mainly on airports and airplanes, what they live for, what the purpose of life is. And some say, what? Nobody ever asked me that, that, that question. I don't know. When I just put a little bit of pressure on them, don't think, think about it. You must know why. When there's a boat on the ocean and you would radio the, 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 the craft to say, where are you heading to? And he said, I don't know. That's strange. That's impossible. You know it very, very well. But no, there are hundreds and thousands of people that, that, that they live and they don't know where they're going. There's no real purpose then for the, than the, the, the fun of this life. Then just be happy. Nothing else. How different is the Westminster Catechism? What is the chief end of man? Do you remember the, the answer? What is the chief end, the chief purpose, the main purpose of man on earth? The answer is, there's two parts. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So to glorify God it is that the sin is glorifying Him, but if there is no joy there, then there is no honor in it. So the Lord is honored when people glorify Him with joy. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And that is also in this hybrid catechism. To be united with Him again. In so much as I embrace such benefit with a believing heart. To be one with the Lord. To be forgiven. To look like Adam from before the fall. Because he had no sin. And that perfect satisfaction is transferred to the sinner by faith. As if I had fully accomplished all that obedience which Christ has accomplished for me. So that doesn't mean that people are better. It's not so that people look better. But it's so that God views people as if they were perfect. So let me ask the question. How do you relate to the gospel and to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe in him? Because the believing in the real sense is sufficient. There's nothing else that you need. 
by faith only, right? Luther said, by faith only, not by works. Him that works not, but believeth, but believeth as a contrast. In him that justify the ungodly. Justification is, I think, eight times in the chapter. Justification. Righteousness of God in him. So it says here, Reverend, I feel horrible. I feel that it's right. They have sinned against all God's commandments in such a gross way, and I'm inclined to all evil. And I, I just know that. And I, I, I agree that I deserve to be lost, to remain lost. What can I do? What's your advice? And let me give you advice. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's how simple it sounds, right? Recall being a teenager and being in church and the pastor said something similar as to what I said now. You don't need to bring anything. You don't have to earn anything. You don't have to qualify anyhow. anyhow. It is actually the easiest thing it is. And he said after that, and that's why it is so difficult. It is too easy. We don't trust it. We have to pay for it. We have to work hard for it. But grace only can be true. And yet, read for yourself over Article 60 again. Even so, as if I never had had nor committed any sin, yet as if I had fully accomplished all that obedience which Christ has accomplished for me, inasmuch as I embrace such benefit with a believing heart. So have you embraced that with a believing heart? Do you know what that means? May the Lord give it again also to, 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 to his people that they may, 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 may experience again in a deeper sense that imputation of God's satisfaction to them. So they did not obey. They did not earn the, the points. It's all by grace only. And that means that God will be glorified to the highest. That means that this by grace only, it means it is certain, and the Lord will not leave the works of his own hands. Amen.